0: Say hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. Hello, Suncaster. Did you know I'm here? Ha 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 ha. I'd like to make a motion and remove Zach from the podcast.
1: Hello, strangers on the internet walking slowly towards a shimmering disco light. Welcome to a grand and magnificent new episode of Now That's What I Call a Video Games Podcast. Today's episode, Now That's What I Call Death. Today we delve into the realm of the dead and its representation in games. How death is portrayed to the player, death's history in the medium, and how we react to being told our characters have met their death. Fun stuff like that. My name's Andrew Fasciano, and fun fact... Uh, one thing I'd like to do before I die is go to Ireland, and that's what I done got. Hmm,
2: that's pretty That'd good, kind yeah. of.
0: I don't want to go to Ireland. That'd be fun. Yeah,
2: that's yeah, like a like, I mean, very doable.
1: It, it, it's not the most grandiose thing, but I want to make sure I check it off my list before I enter the Afterworld, or whatever the hell happens when I die, but, yeah. you know.
0: Uh, hi, my name is Adam, and one thing I would like to do before I die is... Oh boy, I don't know how to give like a like a super deep answer or something dumb But you know what I would like to do before I die. What would, what you, would like? you like to do I'd like to actually finish all these damn games?
2: I bought that'd be nice. Ooh, that would topic be good
0: appropriate. I like it
2: and I am Zach and uh, What I'd like to do before I die. I don't know that Ireland things really got me going. I Really? This this makes sound unrealistic and it is very unrealistic, but I'd love to own a castle before I died.
1: Oh, you blew mine out of
0: the water. I told you unrealistic. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, aren't some of the castles in, like, uh, I think, like, even Ireland or Scotland, aren't some of them up for sale and such? They they are. They are.
2: Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's a possibility. It's just I, I ain't got the cash for that.
1: I guess for me, like, I... I would love a castle, but I also don't know what I would do other than just have the castle and walk around the grounds and and I guess like throw really rad castle parties. Dude,
0: castle parties must be rad. Like I I would love to have a castle. Zach, do you, you think you'd have a problem with like like setting up electricity and plumbing and all that stuff? It depends
2: on I guess what kind of era of castle you get. I mm. So any any era of castle if it doesn't already have running electricity and water and all those things like that it's just gonna be a total clusterfuck in terms of getting it in there but Mm -hmm. worth the fucking expense you now own a castle
0: yeah but do you have wi-fi in that castle
2: i will get wi-fi set up in that castle so fast
0: (laughs) (laughs) i like how you got a little older as we started talking about the castle like i'm a druid
1: it's gonna See, be my dream. Well, I'm gonna
0: get it done, damn it. Well, well, Drew, think about it. In all of those medieval stories and everything, when was the when was the ruler of a castle ever a young guy? It's always an old guy. So owning a castle must somehow age you quicker. Okay,
1: I'm going to I'm going to edit my answer. I want to own an Irish castle while I am young. I want to be that young, strapping lad who has the okay. massive castle.
2: What, okay, but it's got to be something. Before, okay, you you just uh, made it harder for yourself, really.
1: Yeah, it's true, it's true. I undo
0: my editing, because now it's hard. Well, okay, but see, like, that's something you want. Is it something you want to attain? Like, this is not, this is not the question of, what is it you want versus, like, reason like, being reasonable about it.
2: Yeah, I I went utterly unreasonable. Do we, do you guys want to say the utterly unreasonable goals of yours?
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, finishing all the games in my backlog is pretty unreasonable at this point. Yeah, I had been delayed. Same
1: here, same here.
0: I was going to say, if I was going to own anything, I think I would to own an island or something. That's Kinda good. Nice. Ooh, yeah. That's good. I like it. But yeah, as sir, I get the sense you were going to ask us about our weeks. I was. I was. But I'm using my psychic powers now to read Drew's mind. And I'll tell you about my week. Uh, it's been pretty good. Um, let's see. We, we, I think it's been, what, two weeks since the last one? So what have I done in the last two weeks? Uh... Pretty much the same old thing. Played some more Persona Five. Got uh, getting into that. Uh, oh, oh, where are you? Uh, I can't remember a date off the top of my head. We're we're just kind. I'm just kind of. I'm in the very early states of doing the Mementos dungeon stuff, which I've actually really liked. I I think that was a good
2: addition. Yeah. Um. So, are you on to the second palace yet? Then
0: I'm around there. I think. I I think. Hold on. The last major event was we just finished exams. This will tell you I am going really slow through this. I'm Yeah, you're taking my time. I was gonna get some time in this weekend, but I was at a convention all weekend. Yeah, uh, good point. But uh before I jump to that, Persona 5, still fantastic. I think I love that every time I play this, I notice some new little UI thing. Like this time I noticed that the the icons in combat change if it's the character's turn. It's like that's so cool. Yeah. Um but I went from one, like, Japanese weeb fest thing to a completely other and went to Fanime this weekend, and that was pretty fun. Nice. Uh, there was a lot of Persona 5 there as well, so... Oh, you know,
2: unsurprised. Was... This cuts a little bit into my week, but I, I saw a, uh, like, a, a Twitter post mm-hmm. of um, stuff that's actually spoilers for you right now, so, well, I can't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, Did you
1: see any any anime, like, trailers or anything that's going to be coming out? That kind of stuff. Like, I don't know. I've been to fanime anime once, and I I remember a combination of a lot of costumes and a lot of art. And I, I feel like there were, like, special showings of things to come. But I might just be completely misremembering.
0: There, Most of the time, from what I've seen, is it's a lot of... Uh, how do I put this? It might have been true in the, older, in the older ones, where it'd be like, this is your special preview of an upcoming anime. But Fanime a lot now, a lot of the, the showings that they have or the things they're running are actually already on Crunchyroll or Funimation, and they actually sponsor portions of the convention. So mm. a lot of it was current stuff, some some older stuff, and a lot of movies. Uh, but it was pretty fun. This year I didn't actually watch too many stuff in the viewing room. I was mostly hanging out with all my different groups of friends who were there. Uh, ah, nice. S- spent way too damn much on everything. Um, yeah. As is so tradition. I, I left with a ton of swag. Uh, I, I enjoyed not only fanime. Uh, I, you know, I went to the artist alley. And I went to the dealers hall. I also really enjoyed what I am now coining food stall con.
1: What? What do you mean by
0: that? So, so food stall con was you go to the conve- you go to the air, uh, convention center where fanime is held, and right across from it is the civic center. And but lining the streets was literally, and I swear to God, this was. From the start of the convention to the very end of it, every single, like, food stall push cart person was at that place, all lined up, each one of them selling bacon-wrapped hot dogs.
2: Uh What? Wait, and it was them?
0: Zach, I got... Okay. You might think, okay, it was just one person selling bacon-wrapped hot dogs. No, there was literally, like, maybe 10 to 15 different people, all of them selling bacon-wrapped hot dogs or sausages peppers onions and coke all of wow. them the, the entire convention smelled like pork and bacon all day and it was amazing
1: oh, That sounds
0: dangerous <laughs> holy shit i had i had one or two i can't remember they were pretty good but yeah fanime was fun i i saw a lot of anime a lot of pro wrestling uh, new japan pro wrestling stuff was oh fun. nice
1: oh may i ask may i ask what was your favorite costume that you saw what was my favorite? Oh, okay,
0: uh, I don't know if it was my favorite, but this is topical. Some guy was dressed as the Persona Five protagonist, and he was mm-hmm. in the his Joker outfit. But he was walking around with the with the battle UI on uh, a stick, and he was holding that behind him. So oh. he just had like the you know like the order, the gun, and all that stuff like around him at all times. That is That's glorious. Awesome. So I think that was the one that was really um. I saw a bunch of JoJo cosplayers i saw a bunch of overwatch cosplayers that nice, was pretty fun nice.
2: yeah, yeah i small story involving that but i'll get it when i get to my week
0: well i'll hand it off to you then because i'm pretty much done
2: oh all right um so so the small story with um the overwatch one is i forget but like i was i was like on tumblr on friday mm-hmm. going through my tumblr and one of the artists that i follow on tumblr um had posted a picture of herself as gremlin diva and she's like, "Oh, going off to Phantom? Man, I'm just as Gremlin Diva." And I was like, "Well, that's interesting." And so I texted my friend. So so I texted a friend of mine who who's going there and to, to like to tell him that because I somehow thought that was interesting for him. And he was just like, "What do you want me to do with this information?" And he and and he followed with, "Uh, it's like, all right, um, it's like, well, now that you told me this, now I'm gonna take a picture of every single Gremlin Diva I find and send it to you." So. <laughs> <There you go.
0: laughs> the entire weekend was gremlin diva
2: i kept expecting them the entire weekend and then i got none um and then i got and i asked i asked like today i was like so why no gremlin diva and that friend was like i didn't see any Hmm.
0: it's true uh uh, gremlin diva is a overwatch fan creation of like this little kind of kind of chibi-esque version of diva who is a super pro gamer who is always eating Doritos and drinking Mountain Dew. You, you've uh, probably seen okay. her.
1: I've I, seen it. I've seen it. I don't okay. call it Gremlin Diva. I just call it, like, Internet Diva. Like, I, I know what you're talking about. Okay. I understand.
2: Yeah. So so that happened. Uh, And then, yeah, I think the rest of my week basically comes to um, what me and Drew were doing. But I'll, I'll go through my first is that both of us went down to a uh, wedding uh, down at, like, Lake Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. um for a mutual friend of ours and i drove down with my girlfriend um who stuck it with me the whole way down the whole way back up and she is amazing um <laughs> are you just using this podcast to tell everybody how cool your girlfriend
0: is Was i that the entire impetus of this podcast
2: a little bit um so <laughs> but anyways we we went down and i, I have to say like we were driving along the, like, northern edge of the, the L.A. Valley, and, like, two thoughts occurred to me as I was going through it is, this place feels kind of desolate. Um, and then the second thought was, there's a fucking ton of smog here. Weird. For some place yeah.
0: so desolate, that's weird that there's that much smog there.
2: I mean, I guess I guess desolate isn't the right word. I guess I mean more like, this feels like an industrial wasteland. Hmm. Um, and I'm like it felt weirdly like spacey but also not terribly comfortable um but yeah uh then we went up to the wedding and the wedding was fantastic um i took some very cool pictures with drew but i think i'll let drew talk more about how cool the wedding was uh and in terms of game news during that vacation i was sitting in a hotel room when i did this uh i finally after many months have beaten and i do this with air quotes pokemon moon
1: (gasps) congratulations well done
0: now what is Eric like you just beat the like the the big I, boss at the end the I big got to Luna. the credit
2: sequence and then afterwards um Interpol came to me and said we need you to go on a secret mission and I'm like what uh, okay Interpol I, I can do that for you that happens in Pokemon um yeah have you beaten have you beaten Pokemon Sun or Moon
0: uh, no I'm like halfway through I didn't know Interpol shows up like what the <laughs> fu-
2: what the hell they're not they're not called interpol uh-huh. um are they interpunk or something like or interpoke it, yeah something like that it, it is it, it's not named that way but they're like we're an international organization that deals with pokemon and i told that to to emily and um uh, and then she turned around and said so you mean like interpol and i was like oh yeah that would be interpol wouldn't it <laughs>
0: well congrats i hope uh was it sir tannenbaum took you all the way to victory
2: um, I ended up very, very unfortunately. I ended up slotting him out when mm-hmm. I didn't need to slot him out. My
0: God, Zach! Why? This is the somebody cap this moment. This is the this is the top ten anime betrayals of 2017 right
1: just... here. <laughs> Zach, like you might have beaten the game, but you've clearly sold your soul
2: sold out. Here's here's the worst part is I uh swapped him out for the legendary. Wow. Oh. wow.
0: What? Social link with Tannenbaum has decreased. I know. Please start over. I'm just exactly. so
2: bad. Like I immediately want to switch Sir Tannenbaum back into my team to apologize. You sold out your friends for power. Oh my god. All right, worst part is that I slotted in and and the legendary was both under-leveled for all the mm. fights or under-leveled for the rest of the team and wasn't actually useful in the fights. Is it the weird? It's the moon bat thing, isn't it? it is, yeah, it's moon. So it's the moon bat thing.
0: Wow. And it doesn't it even is. look that cool. Wow. Great.
2: I, I so, like how it looks.
0: But we're all very disappointed, Zach.
2: I'm disappointed in myself. Me,
1: I thought I thought, I thought Bomb was going to be a liability, man. And
2: then he wasn't. And I feel so
1: bad. He's just sitting there on Bill's PC or whoever is currently Bill's PC, like crying Wondering what the hell? Why um, would I be abandoned?
2: I feel so bad. So I, I abandoned my rabombi and I, I, I'm so sad. I
0: don't know. Well, I. Uh... Well, Drew, how was your week? Now that you have this like tragedy just thrown on you, you could literally say anything, and it might be better than this like devastating news.
1: Ah, oh, God. Um, I mean, it was. I, 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 I too went to the wedding that Zach talked about. It was mm-hmm. for our mutual friend Lizzie, uh, and our mutual friend Ben. They, they done got soul fused, and it was great. Um, soul fused.
0: That's that's the that's what I've been calling it. And um, all right, all right. What do they call it in a uh, fourteen? It's like if it, Zach in Final Fantasy fourteen, what do they call getting married, or is it just getting married?
2: Um, ceremony of eternal bonding.
0: There we go.
1: Yeah, I, w- I witnessed a beautiful ceremony of eternal bonding. Um, it was really pretty. It was at this nice cabin, as Zach said. Um, there was mm. lots of lots of kind words and and uh, flowers and such. I did not drive down. I foolishly took a plane thinking, oh, well, you know, then I'll get to avoid Memorial Day traffic and all that other silliness. And, how that go? Well, um... Uh, the, the flight into Los Angeles was Mm -hmm. delayed by two hours and the flight back was also delayed by two hours. So I spent four hours sitting in an airport, four hours delay. Luckily I was there with some friends who also had aligned with me for flying down and we, we used the time to drink at the bar close by and just like swap stories about this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. When I was down there, I, I managed to hang out with my friend, Matt, who let me, take hold of the Nintendo Switch that he owns. So okay. now I now I know what that feels like. And now I understand it because it was actually really cool. He, uh, he did that thing where we went out to a restaurant and while we were waiting for the food, he's like, oh, why don't you play a little game while you wait? And it was verbatim like a commercial for the Switch. And I wanted to be mad about it, but it also worked really well. Which game did you play? Well, of course I played The Legend of Zelda, The Breath of the Wild, because I think that's like... One of the twelve games on the Switch, I don't know. And yeah, uh, I played a mm-hmm. a remaster of Street Fighter 2, which was pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's a little 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 combo fighting that kind of deal. And then I had a sandwich, so pretty much the perfect Saturday. Nice. Yeah. And oh, the that wedding was really cool too. Just throwing it out there. Also very cool. Now, also wait,
2: very quick cool. question. Quick question. You were yes. like. So, so at the end of this wedding, there was like this like cabin set up where like twelve people who were all basically Drew or Drew's age mm-hmm. were all just like sleeping in that cabin. And me, <laughs> me and Emily, we left a little early because we were sleeping down in San Bernardino. I wanted to get up early as heck so we could get home reasonably. But mm-hmm. you, you guys didn't. Y'all were in a cabin all night. How? I, I just want to know. Just, just give me, give me a feeling. How poppin was it?
1: well i'll tell you this zach um the party didn't stop until way later so no one was really sleeping until like the dj stopped and then the after dj drinking stopped and then the storytelling and the laughing and the and the crying and all the all the sitcom friends things had stopped oh, wow what? sitcom friends <laughs> um
0: now, let me ask you this drew <laughs> mm-hmm. two questions one you seem to talk very highly of this DJ. How many air horns and uh, <laughs> air raid sirens did he use? He and if the answer is not more than the other guy, I don't care.
1: Well, he unfortunately did not use as many air horns as the other wedding that me and Adam had attended. But he oh. did play the Get Schwifty song from Rick and Morty. So I feel like it evens things out pretty well.
2: Zach, did you hear about that? I did not hear about the air horns, no. But I do uh, know that, that the... Sorry, uh... You, the DJ th- uh saw you dancing at some point Drew and was just like, "Man, this guy's off the hook." Wait, really? Yeah. God, yeah. Oh no. Yeah, he was like saying it to a security to the security guard. Oh shit.
0: So at a <laughs> at, at Forest Wedding, they had a DJ there who who was doing pretty good. We later found out he wasn't that great because I guess he didn't play any of the songs <laughs> that they wanted him to play. But oh, this yeah. guy, this guy throughout the entire entire afternoon kept playing this like mlg pro air air horn and like a literal air raid siren like the party is going to silent hill the the dark world is coming (laughs) what the fuck it was a stark
1: contrast to to the solid like this guy just played songs barely talked just very much concentrated on giving the people what they wanted, and Uh the other DJ was all about, I got a mission, I got a journey, and it has air horns in it. Now, (laughs) my second question,
0: my second question, and I guess it's both of you, you say this was in a cabin, what if it
2: were in a castle? Would it have been better or or worse? Well, I wasn't Mm -hmm. there for it, so I don't know. Here's, oh, the thing. Okay.
1: Here's the thing, Adam. It wasn't just a cabin. It was a hidden cabin. Well, a hidden cabin? That changes everything. <laughs> yes, it was a secret cabin that we missed a couple times as we were driving up and down. <laughs> um, we so needed a map like that, to find it. I feel like it evens it out for like not being a castle. But no, it was pretty fun. I was thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it, and I'm really happy for the two that got married because they're both lovely people,
0: and I wish them the absolute best. So you hear that, Lizzie and Ben, if you're listening to this podcast right now, which you should be, best of of luck out there. Best of luck. Uh, On that note, um, let's talk about death.
1: (laughs) And just like until death do us part, let's talk about death in video games. Yeah, let us talk about death in video games. Um, What a weird transition we got going on here. I didn't quite know what to do, so I just I just talked, and words came out of my mouth as is usual. But um, no, this this week's uh, lovely topic is death uh, in video games, as I've said ten times already. Um, and so, let us begin by talking about the portrayal of death and its place in games and gaming history. Uh Zach, would you be a doll and start us off with what you think of when you think of dying and death and pain and the afterworld in the world of games?
2: This is some dark shit. Um To me, um Death in Games is almost always just failure state you need to retry. Hmm. Um it, it's always sort of the like it it is the point where the game ends, you go back a certain amount, sometimes a certain amount is the fall way back, but it is the point where the game ends and then you have to retry a portion of it Mm -hmm. um except there are certain exceptions to this there are certain games that don't do that but that's generally the the feeling of it is is you died all right now you need to go reset restart a portion of this game and keep going
1: it it definitely seemed like fail state at least for me, is, like, associated with what it means to die in a game, which I... Yeah. When I think about it's kind of weird, right? Like, I, I see how we got there, like, oh, you know, you fell off this bridge, gotta start over, the narrative thing that happened is you died, but it's a little unsettling to me that, like, failure is associated with death so quickly in, like, mm-hmm. every game. Like, I well, I don't even think of it as a fail state, I think of it as, like, oh, you died in the game. Like, yeah. oh, you know, like, you're restarting, You're you're on a new
0: round. I think it's because it's a very you know easily understood reason for needing to do something because mm-hmm. like Zach said is uh, I think probably the most common use of death in a game is a fail state of you have failed to do some game thing and they need some reason they need some way to basically put you back a certain amount so be, so having it being your character died whether or ran out of health or you know ran out of air in or something like that is a good way for the player to understand why they're being sent back. Because mm. if you were to just, like, be thrown back... Like, if you fall off the bridge and all of a sudden, oh, you're back there, you may not necessarily know, oh, why did I do that? It's like, oh, because your character died. It's like, oh, oh, of course, i got to go back and do it.
1: I, yeah. I, I, I know, and I make that connection. It mm-hmm. also seems like we we tend to jump there very quickly. Like... In a lot of games I play that like, you know, like non-video games, right? Like, you know, death might be the end of the entire game, but like here, it's not really like, oh, you know, game over, turn it off, we're done, done. It's like, it's like something that happens very intermediately. Like I expect to quote die in like every video game I play multiple times. Like, unless it's something where death is like this ultimate, ultimate, super crazy, why'd you program this in thing? Mm-hmm. Then like, it's it's not even something that even has a lot of weight to it. You know, like, if I die in Dishonored, like, oh, well, that was supposed to happen. And that's like, true. You, you could come up with, like, a narrative way around it, I feel. Like, oh, you know, you got caught, maybe you time travel or something like that. I guess it's better to think of it as, like, a way to reset a story.
0: Yeah, that, that's probably a good way of, It's just a good reset point of, like... Mm-hmm. Like I said, it, it's a way of tell, conveying to the player why did they need to go back and do this, because it's like, well, you died, so go back. <laughs>
1: Now, one thing I really, like, um, if I may go up with, if I may, if I may discuss an example that I think is really clever, mm. you guys know the, uh, Prince of Persia Sands of Time yeah? And yep. how that game, when you die, it's told from the, like, it's someone who's telling a get, telling a story and when you die as a player, the game just says, oh no, 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 that didn't happen. Let me, let me, let me think back. Let me, let me rewind a bit. And then like that way, like every time you die, it's still kind of part of the same narrative i think that stuff is super freaking cool like that's something that i love seeing when it comes to like you know oh you're dead but it's all part of the overarching plan because you can have an overarching plan in a game i don't know i i think that's kind of cool i enjoy that kind of stuff i enjoy it when death is something that is like accounted for more than when it's sort of like this oh it like when it's treated like a fail state or like a mistake you made mm. does that does that make any sense i don't know if it does
2: yeah no you, you make a good argument although i do have to say there is there are ways of making a game where death is the fail state that can also be interesting like mm-hmm. if, if you go over the top in the like haha you died um part of it you you could make something interesting out of it especially like especially if you get almost fourth wall breaking and sort of like when your character dies that just like ha you died and then you reset again and then enemies Mm. remember that you died or something like that 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 would be a really interesting way of, of incorporating death into a game and i think that that sort of um that that actually makes me think of uh shadow of mordor actually where exactly that happens is when enemies kill you, they remember that they killed you, and then you come back to fight them again, and they will say shit to you, like, like, haha, I'm beating you last time. Well, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna beat you again." Things like you that. Know, yeah.
1: I never got to play Shadow of Mordor, but I heard about that mechanic. I, I was confused yeah. about how it works. Like, because are you playing as someone who's like a wraith or something? Or I, I think like, you're playing
0: yeah. as a ranger, and then uh, when you're can't like, I think wherever stronghold you're at, you get killed. And then I think it's a Kellabrimbor uh, or something like that. Uh, I can't. I can't remember his name. I think that's it. I like possesses you, and you come back as a wraith, kind of thing. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I was just gonna say, you know, Drew, you made a you made a point of how like when you play a game, you kind of expect to die a lot. And I feel like in most mediums, death is kind of is like a super important event because you know, in life, death is a fairly important event. Mm-hmm. In, you know in your life and in some in, in the closing of somebody else's life it's just interesting that games because they use it so much um and you know we had this thing after like you know whether sorts of fail states and stuff like that death like running out of health and dying is just such a commonly used one now that it, it does feel kind of cheapened in, in games like you like you just die so often in games it's almost like eh whatever That's Uh,
1: exactly it. That's exactly it for me. And like, you know, not like I understand, like, I don't even mean it as a criticism. It's just something that I guess I've thought about where like, like, you're right. Like, if a character dies in a game, it's not nearly as impactful, you know, like, maybe even, even in a narrative, because my characters died so much, I'm almost expecting something bad to happen all the time. Because like, it's built into the DNA of what I've been doing for the past couple of hours. So I don't know, like I don't know if that raises the stakes or
0: not. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, because I remember, like, you know, in certain comics or movies and stuff, when a character dies, y- you do feel like this big weight of like, damn, that character's gone. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's still true in like game stories, but like you as the player is like, eh, whatever, I-, I died. I'll just either put another quarter and I'll use, I'll do something else, or I'll just keep playing. It's like mm-hmm. it- it's weird that they that it happens that way.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there's you know, not uh, spoilers for some games that. You know, you have mechanics for reviving yourself, you know, reviving other players in your party. And then mm. narratively, someone has to die, right? And so you just kind of pretend that that thing that you've been doing for the past so-and-so amount of times doesn't apply. You've got like two different planes oh, of like, what is that? Well, what, what, do you, what do you mean, oh boy? What do you mean, oh boy? No,
2: I, I just know the reference you're going to make.
1: <laughs> I don't have to actually say it because you know but what you I'm can. saying. You, <laughs> but can. I don't...
2: you can totally say it.
1: Well, that's such a fantasy Zach why would I say something like that damn son alright before we go into like deep spoilers <laughs> let's finally go to a different question A Adam A. a-, 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 a-
0: we kind of already started talking about it but our, our next question was to of what games use player deaths in interesting ways, and I'm <clears throat> Drew. I'm really glad you brought that Prince of Persia one up. That's that's I didn't play The Sands of Time. Uh, we had an entire lecture at college of why we should, but yeah. I thought that was su- that was such a cool mechanic of tying player death and narrative together, because it is really jarring sometimes when you're playing a game. It's like Oh yeah, I died. Uh, whatever. So all that stuff is like doesn't matter. But it was cool that he was like, "Oh no, no, this was just I, I I've forgotten some part. Let me go back and retry and retell it again."
2: It it's taking a twist on the the sort of typical thing that happens when you enter a fail state in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's also why I mentioned Shadow of Mordor is because it it takes the sort of standard thing that happens when you die and then. Throws it back and says, "Aha!" But everyone remembers that you died, and here's like a narrative, like here's the narrative reason for it. I think it's it's very similar to Prince of Persia in that way. So let me ask
0: this question: between these two, so we have, um, there's one there's one way where it, it's you know in Prince of Persia's way, you do die, but it, there's a narrative reason why you go back, as opposed to Shadow of Mordor's where you die, but everything continues. There's one just continuous flow is there one that you guys prefer or is it one that maybe just kind of works in certain situations
1: i if you can work death like your character dying repeatedly into the story into like it's acknowledged and it's something that's kind of accepted i think that's great that is so fun and so cool for me Mm -hmm. um if i may bring up the example of bloodborne which i believe you are both very familiar with yeah um you know, in that game, you die. And it's, like, kind of pointed out, oh, you've died a couple times, you're going back to this place, many other hunters have died and gone back to the hunter's dream. And that is so freaking fun for me. It's so freaking cool that, like, it's not just this, like, oh, whoops. Like, it's almost not even like I failed. It's, like, something that's I know is gonna happen. Yeah. And yeah. like I, Yeah.
0: And the cool thing with Bloodborne, uh, especially, is its entire world it revolves around what is real dreams and nightmares kind of thing so when you die in bloodborne you can almost think of it as like like everything's still happening but you're just going back to the same dream over and over again and that's why everything resets yeah yeah i thought that was kind of cool there's
2: there's also the aspect of um let me think of it uh th- there's some other games that do it similarly the dark soul series um does it slightly differently and that whenever you die you respawn basically because you are you are a zombie but um yeah and then there's Mm -hmm. there's there's games like uh like say near automata that um you die and then when you resurrect it's it's like you you're getting a replacement body because you uploaded everything and then you're getting it's getting redownloaded into the new body that you're going to be using yeah um Mm -hmm. and so it's all just sort of like rationale for why you died and mechanical implementation of that rationale
0: yeah uh, i think a lot more games nowadays are definitely trying to do that it, it feel maybe that's just because this like we now have the ability like people have kind of gained the experience of like storytelling to kind of use the medium because you definitely couldn't do this in a uh in like a movie or a stage play kind of thing like acknowledge death and just like keep going back and forth or at least i, I can't think of any like uh, like a, like a yeah. movie or something that does that. Maybe a Memento I, or something like that. Yeah.
2: So there's there's a few. I, I bet there, are, there there's got to be some sort of like a tour movie somewhere that that has somebody dying and repeating themselves a bunch. Uh, Groundhog Dog Day. Groundhog Day. Sorry. Yeah, I, to its credit, um, that's that's more time travel than
1: death. But sure, let's go yeah, with it.
2: Mostly, I mean, well, it, it it links back to probably my favorite example that I haven't talked about yet. Um, Yellow tell us is a super time force. Whoa. Um, so, so in super time force, uh, you play a super time force. You basically play as like time cops. Mm Hmm. Um, and you kind of rush through a level and every time you die, you go back and you, I think you, I believe you pick somebody else on your team and, uh, the like time version of that past person follows you into the into uh the next run and so now you have two different people going it's just one of them is on your pre-recorded old path and now you're moving along on the new path Uh,
0: if i remember super uh super time force uh it kind of encourages you to kind of get yourself killed because you you need people to like in one timeline run up and hit a switch and then like you die and then go back in time and then when you kind of keep going on your own path but that past self of yours also exists so goes up and hits the switch and now you can keep progressing. Is that the same is that the right game? Yeah, same game. Um
2: that one was cool. I like that. Yeah, so so it it, it's interesting. It's it's time travel is the reason why they're coming back, but because they did time travel, they're like, oh wait, but there's past versions of yourself, so they can go and do things. It is it is probably one of the coolest implementations of of like a death and respawn system Mm -hmm. um, that I've seen. Um, that reminds
0: me of a. Oh, keep going. I'm sorry. It, and it, it's it's go. even
2: a, it, it's even something where you can go back and save your past self. Although mm. they go away at the end of it, anyways.
0: Oh, I th- yeah, because uh, you can do that, and I think that's how you gain more time if you like save your past self or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say, uh, Super Time Forces thing always uh, kind of reminded me of a uh, you know Super Meat Boy when you. Uh, right. So in that one, it's a super difficult platformer, and at the very end of the. Uh, of the level you kind of see a replay of all of your deaths and everything so it's not as mechanically ingrained into like the moment-to-moment gameplay but once you complete a level it's super cool to see uh all of your past attempts and it kind of helps teach the player like hey if you want to do this level again remember this is the path you use to get through it and so like try different stuff out
2: so uh, i also one last thing about super time force um before this podcast started, I opened up like a poster of all the main characters of Super Time Force, and goddamn it, I fucking I still love this goddamn game. Um, um, why,
0: why, Zach? Tell us why you love it.
2: It's got to be the lizard man. <laughs> I
0: Isn't he a dinosaur? dinosaur you like pick up? He's a laters? cool
2: dinosaur. Who is
1: the, the lizard dinosaur. man, Zach? Okay.
2: It is. It is a green dinosaur in spandex black sh- shorts and a hawaiian t-shirt and like pink stunner shades
1: that Hmm. is fantastic
2: it is amazing everyone else literally everyone else on the team looks like some military person with a gun except the dinosaur
0: (laughs) freaking Uh, so since we're uh, still talking about mechanics uh i I was gonna say i know um, drew you brought up bloodborne and i and i think we've also already brought it up but it it can't be overstated enough that dark souls has really brought back the quote the mechanic of the death run for modern games like because they really it's not really the first game to do a death run but i feel like anytime (laughs) any game ever now has that mechanic of you dying like coming back either at a bonfire or just respawning and having to go get your stuff is now like oh it's a very dark souls thing so uh, that was like you know uh,
1: i thought you meant something completely different my mistake Um... oh what'd you think See, I was I thought you were alluding to the idea that you give yourself one life for a game, and then you have to restart if you fail, and that's why I was very confused when you talked about Dark Souls, right? No, that's... Like, like I know there's oh, no. that challenge like speed run and like just you don't die, like uh, like you play Metroid and you're like you're not allowed to let yourself die at all, like even once. Yeah. And that's like the ultimate thrill. Yeah.
2: yeah, or like Halo Iron Man mode, which is the other. Yeah.
0: Well, you you since you had brought up like dying and going to the hunter's dream and all that, that was like. To me, that, that's that been, like, one of the most uh, long-lasting mechanics that Dark Souls has. And it, it seems to just be the one that most people remember, this dying, go-getting-your-souls and such. Oh, yeah. But there have been a lot of games oh. beforehand that did the death run. It just seems like Dark Souls has now brought it... Dark like,
1: Souls definitely brought it full, like, front and full center and had people pay attention and say, Oh, people can enjoy this, and it's a super satisfying mechanic. Or, like, a very fun way to kind of recognize, Oh... I I can get my stuff back if I try hard enough
0: so yeah yeah, yeah. and I think feel feel like having having that also like uh, It kind of uses death in like almost a beneficial way of like hey you died now you can go back But maybe don't do that again
1: mm-hmm.
0: You get this one do-over don't 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 screw it up now I I have a question for the both of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I know we're talking about
1: death from a mechanics perspective I'm pretty interested in the way games handle, like, the afterlife. Like, a lot of games tend to have, like, a netherworld or some kind of, like... It's weird because, like, games tend to not really have any one, like, binding religion. But there's always some kind of, like, like Hades or, you know, hell or some kind mm-hmm. of thing.
2: Hmm. So, so you're asking, like, what is, what is overall game's mythology of death? Yeah, that... Okay. That's a hard question to answer. I guess, like, it depends on the kind of game. Like, I bet Japanese games handle death wildly differently than any Western game does. Um,
0: yeah, it it would probably vary from game to game. To be honest, I don't know if if games have a like unified mythos on the afterlife. There are definitely yeah. a lot of games mm-hmm. that kind of do that, and it would greatly depend on wh- what game they, it's coming from. Uh, you're guess- right. A lot of a lot of Western games do have kind of the. Uh, catholic heaven or heaven and hell or bring a lot of the greek roman like hades and stuff like that i
1: i guess like i'm not talking about like a unified mythos because like i know Mm. games vary widely i just um i guess i'm thinking more just like i I guess you said it best like the way that it's handled by different studios like as like a narrative device right Mm. because like people die and then they go they like go to like hell or they go to limbo or something and i don't know it becomes like a like a fun
0: level well there was a there was a cool game that kind of handled something like that, and it's also it also did death from a narrative perspective. Uh, it was a game. I guess I found out today that it was a remake. It was a PS2 game called Baroque, and what it was is some cataclysmic event has greatly altered the entire world, and you know people have co- have come back as the as like I guess reincarnated as these grotesque monsters and stuff like that. But your mm-hmm. character is is still remains human, but apparently has this forgotten sin that he just can't remember, and that's why he doesn't uh, become this monster. And so yeah. your the goal of the game is to actually uh, travel this tower and find out what sin you had and be forgiven for it. Uh, but it takes a lot of that. But it uses death and mechanic because. Every time you die is actually how you progress the story because you have this greater overworld where you talk to all of these people and then every time you die uh like you know you basically do a tower run you come back and they might have progressed depending on how how you died or how far you progressed That's cool. and it all it all huh. takes place in this weird very distorted afterlife environment like you were talking because there's angels and demons and stuff like that and it does recognize like this is the land. This is the world after something has happened, like, mm-hmm. and this is—it's almost like after you have died. This is you kind of going through this cycle of being forgiven for what you did. So it's it so
1: cool. What is that? Like, is that it was remastered? Is
0: it on PS4 or like PC? Uh, it was or? on PS2. It's an old one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, but yeah. like, could I? Like, I wanna, I wanna play that, Adam. I wanna find that, and I wanna find yeah, a way yeah. to put it into into a mechanical device and hit buttons and have it react
0: to me so you know what i'm saying i'm not gonna advocate this much you'd probably have to pirate it c- or find a copy of it for your for a ps2 mm, uh, I, see. I haven't i played a little bit of it um and it kind of goes into a topic uh we might we'll probably touch on pretty soon about roguelikes and permadeath because it is a roguelike um but it doesn't really have permadeath it just just changes all the time
1: Huh, well, you know that that kind of segues pretty nicely into uh, this next set of questions, uh, all about uh, thoughts on live systems in games, because that's been a staple in in uh, gaming culture for a long time. You know, you have a series of lives because you know you're gonna die, and so you get to replay. And once you run out, you have to restart an entire section. And since like the since then, there have been a bunch of twists. There's the permadeath. There's the roguelike. Just what are your thoughts on that kind of stuff?
2: There's also the health bar, which is what lives are probably more closely associated with. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, yeah. I hadn't even thought
0: of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of the question, was I guess, here is like, you know, why did people start using lives? Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say that lives were originally a way of... It seemed to be a thing for, like, limiting amount of times you could play in arcades and stuff like that. Because you go to an arcade, put a coin in, and you couldn't just... You were going to die, so how do you monetize that? Oh, well, monetize on them dying. Yeah. They get an X amount of lives. So they get to retry it uh, like three true. times. And if once they're out, they can put a coin in. That's very uh, true.
1: I was, it, it, it makes me sad. Cause you're highlighting the fact that like in, in the beginning, like games did not really have a story driven element. They were very much just like, how can we get the monies? Let's create this system.
2: Yeah. So yeah. It, like a lot of, a lot of the early mechanics and like a lot of like our perceptions on, on death and video games overall, are very much like colored by what like the, the by the very beginnings of it and the and the stuff we were doing in the 70s where we weren't even really thinking about it. Uh, and I say weird, but I, I I was born in the 90s, so um, our our, not, our
1: forefathers, Our yeah, ancestors. our
2: our gaming forefathers. Um, but uh, but the, the, you know they were thinking like, how do I monetize this? Oh, well, you have so many chimes and and. What's a good metaphor for having you retry things a bunch? Well, you die and you get another chance. Mm -hmm. Um, But
0: but it's good to note that, like, a lot of games now, uh, because they are just such a, they have become so big and so prevalent, and the medium has just become much bigger. People have learned how to use video games to explore. Like, you know, we talked about like the Prince of Persia and stuff like that. Uh, To me, it's always felt really weird that modern games. If they aren't in an arcade, because I still understand why people use lives in an arcade, I don't quite get why modern games still use the live system, if that makes sense. I think
1: because it's it's just something that people understand very quickly. And maybe from a design standpoint, it still gives you the freedom to allow someone to fail right like it's a fail state but it's not really them failing it's just a way of teaching that you shouldn't touch something
0: mm-hmm. like well, you'll get I, an
1: extra live just before you're about to do something that you're probably going to die at
0: an example i was going to use is like sonic like most games now when you buy when you buy sonic you bought it for your home console i don't really see many sonic arcade cabinets so i bought the game so why are you like to have the lives and then get a random game over thing Just to immediately hit a button and go back into it just seems kind of odd to me. Like, I get that it's a holdover, but it's just weird that we still have those.
2: So I actually have... um, It doesn't strictly have a time system, but Super Time Force, I believe, like, it doesn't have, like, a strict lives system, but you do end up with a certain amount of lives you have. Mm -hmm. It's not quite the best example, but, but I think there are ways you can implement a sort of lives system and still make the game work especially if you're making the game trying like if you're trying really hard to make the game feel arcadey um and i think there's yeah i i did not think of sonic but
0: (laughs) i was gonna say uh zach your point about the health bar like kind of replacing the lives system i think that's pretty fair to say because when you if you really think about it like a lot of games that um this may not be true for games that you that like have like very in-depth like health defense and attack values and stuff where all that where there's like yeah you're trying to minimize how much damage but ones where there's like segmented health like this took two hits this took three hits or something like that those like, probably do translate pretty directly from lives
2: yeah like the entire legend of Zelda series
0: yeah i think i think that's probably pretty fair to say I almost think
1: of it like the appendix of games, where it's like it's a it's an old thing that's just kind of lying around and people just sort of, you know, they'll use it because it just comes naturally.
2: I actually mm. don't see health bars as the appendix.
1: I'm thinking of live systems. Oh, live bars. systems. Health, bar, health bars you need. Health bars fully understand. Totally yeah.
0: get it. Like, yeah, because I guess what I'm thinking is like, say you were playing Sonic and there were no lives, like a modern Sonic. What would that really change?
1: it would just mean that instead of having that weird awkward screen that makes you start over the entire level you would just keep going back to that checkpoint beforehand and you would have it would be more convenient and you would have more time with the game and less time with
0: game screens i'm all, now i'm also going to play devil's avocado here oh god i love avocado the devil's avocado <laughs> that's right ah! I'm, I'm the guacamole from hell i'm devil's avocado <laughs>
1: Whoa! <laughs>
0: By the way, I want that as my title now. I'm the, the guacamole from hell. <laughs> well, because I'm wondering now that I'm really thinking about lives. Um, the, a lot of games do use death as kind of a teaching mechanic, and I'm mm-hmm. wondering if lives are a good way of telling the player, okay, enough. Maybe take a break from this. Go go do something else. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Like in uh, mm-hmm. you can't really do this with with Sonic. Uh, but if you were to have like a like mario 64 or something and you had your lives it might have been like something like hey you just spent like 30 lives doing this one level why don't you go do a different level maybe try that one so you, you know, you're you not getting like frustrated or something mm. i don't know if that, that i don't know if that's why they're still
2: in it just i weird. think that that fits in good if you have a really structured game like like a really structured like level system um i that's that's because like that's where your example was on that um mm-hmm. I don't, um, I think like in more open games, it would be a little, like that's a little harder to do. Especially because like, yeah, I, you never see open world games use live systems. I, I haven't, I can't think of any examples on top like, of my head.
1: I'll pose it like this. Can you think of a game that has live systems that would be worse if you took the live system out and just gave people like infinite retries? Like, can you think of a game where that would be like totally a don't do that, we need the lives? because i can't i i just i can't do it
2: i i can imagine a game that would hmm. is that hmm. is that acceptable uh
1: i i like i'm I will sure it, i'm sure I this respect. game exists
2: but um i'm still in the super time but basically instead of time you just have a number of lives and every time you retry you another life has gone through and so the hmm. real challenge of the level is i only have this many tries to get this done and i have to do hmm. all these different things to do it
0: i will hmm. say uh, I'll give you that. For, I'll give you that. For lives... Uh, oh, crap. I lost the train of thought. Oh, j- crap. No. <laughs> no. It's okay, Adam. You
1: have another life.
0: Oh, okay. Retry. cool. Okay. Thank God. Thank God I ha- I can retry. See, lives are great. We should keep them. <laughs> I was going to move the conversation to games about permadeath and stuff like that because, um, you know, if live, if live system is basically, hey, this character has X amount of tries, permadeath is, okay, this character gets the one go and that character is
2: done. I so the thing is I I keep thinking permadeath permadeath is what defines a roguelike. It's it's weird to me that it's like listed there like cuz cuz all I think is oh it has permadeath, oh it's a roguelike. I mean, so to you yeah, like,
1: right? like I like mean, roguelikes, so that's not a problem with me. No, I I'm I not like saying the concept it, of permadeath. It works really well.
2: I'm not saying that it's, like, a problem. I'm just saying, categorically speaking, if a game has permadeath in it, it's a roguelike, right? That's what defines a roguelike, correct? Mm-hmm.
1: That and randomly generating dungeons, I believe, or, like, randomly generating areas. Oh, like every yeah, random generating. Every one. time you play, it's a different kind of experience, right? Mm-hmm. Or it's, like, a different a different run.
2: Yeah, yeah, but yeah. You
1: are, you are right. Like, the two are pretty closely married. Like, yeah. maybe it won't be death, but it'll be a similar... You know, that'd be an interesting game, actually. Like a roguelike where when you, quote, die, you're not really dying. Like something else is happening. But I Whoa. Don't know then okay.
0: let me tell you about this game called Rogue Legacy. What? Tell me about oh, Rogue Legacy. Right. So it's, it's not quite that. So um, you, you were talking about like how when you die, if it kept going. So uh, Rogue, there's a. To go back to a point Zach made, it's interesting that roguelikes are very much associated with. Uh, you know, the permadeath and the randomly generated dungeons. It's interesting that there's a lot of games that are coming out recently that are roguelike because they have randomly generated dungeons and stats, but a lot of games are kind of forgoing the permadeath and just going randomly generated. Uh, So Rogue Legacy is a game that came out a couple years ago, and the way you play it is you start off with the character and you go into a randomly generated dungeon. And when that character dies... That character stays dead, but you play as their descendant. And that's and each life you have is you're playing as a different descendant with some new gimmick or quirk to them. Like, mm. you could play as a knight. Oh no, the knight has died. Well, he had these three children. One was a mage, one was a archer, and one was a barbarian or something like that. So, for your next run, pick one of them.
1: Hmm, that's yeah. really cool, and I love it. And it still sort of has permadeath, and I think that's neat.
2: yeah. yeah. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of a game that has permadeath but isn't a roguelike, and I'm kind of coming up blank. I thought Darkest Dungeon would be a good fit, but no, Darkest Dungeon's a roguelike.
0: I would say, I actually would say Darkest Dungeon does a pretty kind of unique take with permadeath and the live system, mm-hmm. uh, because in Darkest Dungeon you can kind of think of your your char- each of your individual characters as your lives, and when they die you've lost a life, kind of thing. It, it's kind of the same way of you guys have all played Oregon Trail, right? yes I yes have. so oregon trail in my mind like each of the party members is one of your lives because once you're out the game ends that's true in darkest wait. dungeon sega
2: oh my god wait is oregon trail a roguelike oh fuck i was oregon trail
0: i'm because Trail
2: might be a roguelike random. it does it have permadeath
1: random. it's got permadeath
0: dude i i think it's a roguelike this makes oh me realize that we should probably have an episode about roguelikes if we haven't already scheduled that. Yeah, we uh, need
2: to.
1: I'm a pencil. I'm a pencil it in, y'all. I'm a pencil it in. Okay,
0: thank uh, you. The darkest dungeon with permadeath is you have these, like I said, each of your characters, they, di- they can die and they will die as you're doing this adventuring. And when they die, you know, they all have the unique stats, unique uh, stuff on them. So when you do lose them, it is kind of a big deal when one of them dies because you can't get that character back. But yeah, like so Darkest Dungeon with its permadeath is because you do get these characters and you put a lot of time into them. And when they're, they're gone, they are hard gone. Uh, oh I'm trying God. to think. <laughs> I, look, the car is doing another permadeath run. Amazing, okay. right? May I say, may I
1: say, the car Wait. in the background has given me a great idea for a roguelike where you are a racer and when you die that's it time to pick up a new career new 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 driver I, wait <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay i do have to say um, that it may that it also made me think of, of a roguelike um the only difference is when you die that's all you hear is that goddamn horn <laughs>
1: oh <laughs> no it's so sad no. the worst death.
0: um but so I think we kind of answered this, Drew. Your th- what were your kind of thoughts of you? Are you in favor of permadeath in a game or what? I, like in general, I think that
1: permadeath works for some games very well. I think that. I, it would become incredibly frustrating in something like say, Halo or Metroid, where you know death is kind of treated as a way of teaching the player, as something of, like the, when the game is something to be mastered, that's mm-hmm. when permadeath becomes frustrating. Like in a roguelike, it's kind of hard to master a roguelike because things are changing so often. And the, ch- and the fun is really about seeing how far you can go and seeing what you're gonna experience. So my stance is I really like it when it's done well. Uh, I've rarely found a game that implements it where I'm upset, but I don't think it's universally applicable.
0: Mm. I think I kind of agree. I don't think permadeath works in all games. Like I think the live system, while I think in a modern setting doesn't make sense, it kind of feels like you can just kind of put that on anything and it kind of works. Permadeath really, I don't think belongs in every game. I think permadeath
1: is an advanced technique as a designer. Like you, yeah. you got to know what you're doing. You can't just whip one out like from the get go. You got to You got to make a couple of, a couple of things where
0: you die a couple times before you really know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, the thing with permadeath is that uh, it, like permadeath can work really, really good because it does like two things. I think exceedingly well mm-hmm. permadeath adds some like amazing tension on games. Like, because you know, like, I'm having like a really good run in Binding of Isaac. If I screw this up, that char- this run is over, and I'm not gonna get that back. That's so it adds true. this like really cool tension effect. But it also has these very Permadeath also lets you have these really cool like unique moments that are just yours. Like, uh, in ca- when a character in Darkest Dungeon dies, that's not just oh that character dies. That was your character that like you brought on and like almost. I guess quote-unquote led to their death kind of deal mm-hmm. and it's just they add for some really cool unique moments and I think permadeath does those really well
1: you know what you're right and if I may um just because we, we've we married permadeath with roguelikes very closely I want to I want to say fire emblem like the way that game works where your party members oh yeah and if they die they're dead for good Oh my god,
0: that is I completely nuts, forgot about that. Oh, thank
2: goodness. That. Thank you for finding an example of permadeath without roguelike. I got your back, Yeah!
0: Set. Actually, yeah, we, we did it. Permadeath we did with, it. uh... Because when, in Fire Emblem, for people who don't know, uh, in most games, if a character dies, you you go back and try again. In in Fire Emblem, if that character dies, the entire story just says, "Well, they're dead. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are a couple cases where if certain characters die, like if the main character die- Well, Actually, hold on, let me take that back. In a lot of the early games for Fire Emblem, you were playing as a nameless tactician. So, anybody could die. Even some of the main characters. Hmm. Like, core yeah. main characters. That changed in later ones where you as the player actually were the main characters. Like, I think yeah. uh, in Fate, uh... you are playing Corrin. yeah Yeah, i
1: played i think it was radiant dawn or radiant radiant something on the gamecube with ike and i'm pretty sure if he died then like the level just restarted because he was the player avatar but like all my bros kept dying like and i i i felt so bad like it's weird it was such like a like the the plot of the game is kind of like dumb right like the characters are all very anime but like holy shit when someone died i
0: felt it because that was my
1: that was my homie that was my wizard. That was my wizard, and he's
0: gone. Yeah, and like I said, so Permadeath adds this great tension and these really cool, unique moments. I really... Maybe this is something for roguelikes, but I feel like this happens with Permadeath. Boy, it can feel like you can play a game for a while and have made no progress if your character
1: dies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we've got just... Uh, maybe we've already answered this, but we have a final question from Adam, I believe. Mm. Um, it's about... How do you feel about games that have forced deaths or fail conditions? Do they feel cheap or is there usually some greater purpose behind them?
2: Like the you will definitely lose this boss fight or do you mean the like narrative thing kills you as in modern warfare when your helicopter goes down because of a nuke? kind of kind of both of those i was more talking about there've been
0: there are many times in games where like you'll go through a super tough boss fight and i this has happened a couple times in rpgs um an example escapes me at the moment um I, where you'll I, you'll fight this super tough boss and it'll have been a goddamn slog to get through it and then you finally beat the boss and the next cutscene starts up and look at that you just died and it's like why did this even have to happen
1: See, I I have an example of that from it was a uh, Tales game, Tales of Symphonia, where mm-hmm. they make you fight um, a character who becomes a villain, and they they overpower them to death. So like you're you're supposed to lose it, right? And the thing is, when that happens, when you lose, and it actually is revealed that you were supposed to die, I I often feel a little relieved, like oh, I didn't fail, I was supposed to lose. Um, mm. So I guess maybe I'm like. I shouldn't like them because it feels manipulative, but I also have this sense of like, oh, that's kind of cool that I got tricked into this.
2: So, the the whole, like, if you die sorry, like, that, like, you're supposed to lose every time I'm in one of those kinds of fights mm-hmm. all I can think the entire time is, did I level my party enough? And I'm just thinking of the JRPG version or, like, and sometimes, like, in, in like the FPS version, I'm like, wait, I'm not doing enough damage to this thing. Oh, shit. <laughs> like...
0: Yeah, see, that's my thing of, like, because I was trying to think, oh, is there a situation where I like this? And there's one example where I I think I've actually kind of liked this. Um, but if it's a fight where you're fighting the boss and you need to and you win the fight, but then in the next cutscene lose, that feels weird to me because then like if it doesn't tell you that, it's like or I guess it's trying to keep it a surprise. But it can often feel like, oh, I'm not, I must not be leveled up. I'm gonna leave and come back until I can beat them. But you'll have no idea that you were never supposed to beat them. Kind of thing like that's the unbeatable boss scenario yeah and I've never liked that one because then it's like, well how the hell was I supposed to know you you could never beat it. I thought I was just weak so I, I left and did a whole bunch of stuff. And then I there's see. the ones of like, hey, I actually beat this. this was such a relief to finally beat this boss. Oh whatever I was gonna lose anyway uh, and, and from a narratives perspective, that feels a little weird.
1: I can definitely see why it would be frustrating. Uh, usually it's telegraphed well enough that halfway through the fight I'll be like okay this is clearly this is clearly supposed to destroy me or like like yeah. I don't think I've ever run into a, a time when like I fought really really hard and I I still thought I was supposed to win you know what yeah, I mean th- there's
2: there's there's ways to do it decently I've I've seen it done it well I like it during bravely default there's one or two fights that you're supposed to lose um and those were done well because the fight ended after three turns.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I see, I, I feel like in those situations where they're limited by time, uh, the the kind of I guess forced player death or something like that at the end is like okay, that that makes sense because you didn't let me just like uh, kind of like make this last forever because like in those kind of fights you might end up with like I just used all of my my items to try to l- win this fight that I couldn't win kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and it was just a question I had about since we were talking about death because it was like those are fail conditions but they're not in most games it's like oh i as the player did something wrong. In this one the developer or or the story has said you have to lose this kind of deal and it's like but i didn't or uh, i want, was able to beat this. You want player agency. You want I your know. you want your actions
1: to have unique and specific consequences and sometimes that's not accounted for. Because death is treated strangely.
0: Yeah. Right. I was trying to think like, uh, yeah. But that was it. I, I just was curious what you guys thought about it as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, my thoughts are I'm pretty okay with it so long as it's well telegraphed. And I think it's a very, I think it can often be used in a good way. I, I've mm. never felt that it's cheap. I see. Zach? Yeah.
2: Zach? Um, I guess I, I, I've i mostly said my opinions. Um, Like, I I generally don't like it, but if if you're going to do it, Make sure that it gets telegraphed really, really early and make sure that fight does not last very long. Like, if you have to lose something, either force them to lose it in a cut scene or force them to lose it very, 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 very quickly. Make yeah. it so obvious that, like, you're not going to have to dwell on this and you don't have time to stick your freaking items in. Because mm. yeah. I'm with Adam. Like, if you're going to lose a boss fight and you used a bunch of items on it, you just wasted all those items.
1: That, mm. that you know, you're right... I understand that that's a good point I will stick with my opinion but you know
2: well so
0: since since we're kind of done with this I'm also curious guys about this design club idea Uh, Ah, if we could the three of us put our noggins together and brainstorm creative new ways to implement death in classic games
2: yeah so my my first question is is that like are we just gonna say a classic game and then how do we change their death system
1: I think how about this let's bring up a classic game that we have all played analyze the death system used and then think of a way to replace it with something we would deem better or at least interesting
2: okay um so I guess it would be one game for each of us
1: uh sure let's do that okay so
2: um, I'll start with the obvious one Mario ha don't have to say Ah, no. oh, damn it didn't we just okay. do Mario though no we didn't no um, we, didn't, we didn't design Club Mario Oh.
1: So let us design Club Mario. Um so in Mario we have the live system, which we just talked a lot of smack about uh, for a long, long time. So let's let's throw away lives altogether. We have we have Mario going through, and what happens when Mario gets hit by a fireball? Do we do we kill him? Do we do we go the classic could, route of just having infinite lives or, you, or do we go a little go, further?
2: You could go Kirby's Epic Yarn where like your point score gets knocked back some but you're still going hmm.
0: i always I... thought that was kind of a neat way of doing uh the live system because it's like well you can keep going but your score is taking hits hmm. um, so that i that think adds
1: it... emphasis to the points then i because i've not played kirby's epic yarn so that's yeah. that's interesting
0: it, it adds emphasis to don't get hit and c- collect as many of the little gems as possible uh for mario i think if you're to remove the lives I feel like you'd have to keep the almost hit point kind of way of like, you know, little Mario, super Mario. And then like an extra hit. If he has a power up, like a fire flower or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I um, I, I had a goofy version of that. Um, where in like mario dies but you change it so that instead of just mario he's part of a whole family a whole lineage of plumbers and so you just get a different colored mario from his family <laughs> oh my god it just keeps iterating through and you're just like at the end you see how many mario brothers died so that you can oh my god. oh my god <laughs>
2: Wait, wait, wait. Right, So, you, so you're basically saying that, like, you're just gonna randomly color each Mario you throw in there?
1: Yeah, like there are there are tons of colors. You just change out the palette, and like by Can the we... end of it, like plumber X, Y, or Z is the last one there, and you know.
2: Wait, wait. These more, were more the Super Mario Brothers. More, more importantly, when <laughs> I I, I want to stick names on these Mario's, despite the fact that the game doesn't say your name is Mario, um, or like I think no, it, it does, does, but it does it, it,
0: does it the very end.
2: Listen, um, his name if the movie is anything to go by is
0: Mario Mario.
2: Okay. <laughs> no, but what I'm saying is that like each one of the family members would have to like have a different Italian name.
0: Yes. It's
1: yes. A I'm <laughs> So you have a random generator of different members of the Mario the Mario brothers because well, they're the all thing.
2: brothers. Here's the thing, here's the thing. If you ever loop back and do the same name twice, it is it's like Mario and then Mario the 2nd and then Mario the 3rd
0: yes yes Man, this, this would be goofy i don't know if i don't know if it's better but i like it
2: <laughs> oh yeah it's it seems super fun now i just want to make a game based off of that um and not even make it mario so let's move <laughs> on to, to you drew what's what's your idea for uh wow okay, damn. That,
1: damn i'm that, trying to go
2: fast for some reason sorry do we want to stick on the mario stuff uh no, no, no. i was just gonna say
1: no um I, I i think they i just feel bad because i feel like we you were going towards a whole point system like you were going through a like legitimately mechanically like interesting <laughs> twist on it and i'm just like what if we just <laughs> killed everybody oh boy I feel a little bad about that um, um uh, i'll take zelda i'll take zelda how about that one? Oh, okay that oh mean, god damn it uh, sorry of, god damn what <laughs> everybody's taking all the game oh sorry man Ah. so in zelda we don't really have a live system but we have hearts like we have a growing health bar throughout the game like the stronger you are like the more hearts you get the more you do the more little containers you get um i like that i do think that i like i want to keep the element of your character growing i just want to i want i don't know if i want to change the way you die right like i'm trying to think trying to think what you could do there
0: I don't know. Zelda seems pretty good with, like, its death system, uh, because it, it is just a kind of a... This is an adventure, so you're going to... Uh, you know, you're going to lose health, and if you do lose health, you, you die. Uh, mm. I don't know if there'd be anything of, like, like a respawn or something like that. Hmm, think, Zach, didn't you have some idea for, like, a game, uh, like, early, earlier in the podcast or something like that?
2: Um, uh, Some game, like, what?
0: Did like you... like not a, not a classic one, but like a new game. Like a, like you would say something like, "Oh, this gives me a good idea for a game" or something like that.
2: Oh God, what was it in reaction to? Was it was it literally what we were just talking about with like the Mario redo? Or no, I'm trying to think. I think was it something like the racetrack or something like that? Oh like no, it, that, it was was like, oh, that was right, me. Oh right, right, right.
0: <clears throat> um, where instead you where you're.
1: You're playing a racer on a racetrack, but when you die, like you have just one life, and then like that career is over, and it's not like a NASCAR game where it's like, Oh, it oh, no. didn't beat your time. Like you I... work de- you know what? You work death into NASCAR, which effectively creates burnout. So That's... Oh jeez. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um so wait, so well we're on we're on Zelda right now. Um mm-hmm. I, and my idea was just having the car air horns be death, but
1: so every time you die in Zelda, you hear a
2: series of car air horns. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh my god, that's insane. And you All right. you wake up and you real no you wake up you realize you were in the Animus the entire time. This is the oh, dumbest design me. club we've had yet.
2: <laughs> yeah, we've had this. Is, this is getting real crazy. Um, I, I'm just like, if you had Legend of Zelda, but like, if you died, you almost I almost want to like steal like Bloodborne and and have you like wake up in the Dream World.
1: Well, because you're the hero of time, right? So it would make oh sense God. that, like, you can't die. Like, you just go back to wherever the gods spawn you, and they just, like, chuck you back to the earth. So yeah. maybe it's just, like, a narrative pretty thing. Pretty good.
0: Man, yeah. Bloodborne really, like, I like that it really did work that whole death. Like, you died, but you went to a dream. Where did you, know you go? Ooh. That's, that's how we change
1: Zelda. We add the whole Bloodborne... Uh, death run mechanic where your link can die, but he has a mission so he has to come back and take care of it no matter oh, what. Oh man,
0: what if you died and where you die, you drop a uh, p- an item or something. Like, what if you're like in a dungeon, you die, but you drop like the hook shot or something like
2: oh, that. Oh god.
1: Go get it back. Oh shit. That would be well, okay, so, so
2: crazy. Okay, it, most importantly, that hook does not despawn if you die again. Right?
1: Wait, do you mean like you could go back to where the hook is and get multiple hooks?
2: No, no, no. As in as in
1: You just keep the, dying and you keep losing
2: all your items now. Like you need the hook to progress through the dungeons. That's usually how a Zelda game works. So like you respawn, that hook is still there.
0: Well
1: then you're just stuck. Then you then you make the level unplayable.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I'm worried about is is if you get to an area where you need the hook shot and then you die and drop the hook shot, now you can't. The game.
0: Hmm. Well, you so knew it would, it said something like because it's like what's really important in Zelda? Because like Souls and Blood and Blood Echoes are super important in their respective games. What would be important in a Zelda game? Well, rupees. if you drop, if you drop rupees, with the exception, I think of Breath of the Wild, which apparently they're really important in. They are. Uh, I've heard they're super important in that. Uh, I was just like, man, if you were, to, if you had to die and you had to go back to through the dungeon and re get the chest with the item in it. Like like imagine going through the water temple you die and the hookshot is now back at inside the treasure chest cuz an enemy went picked it up and put it back. Oh. Whoa. It's you know, like I think I think that could work man. like your
1: body dies but the game is smart enough to know everything you need to get back to the weapon to the item you need to progress forward. So you can still do that and find your old body but it's been pilfered like it's been looted by the the monsters within the dungeon. So they've taken all your stuff
0: and taken it back to the main chest. I like That's it. great. I don't know if that works in Zelda. I, I, to be honest, I really don't think that works in Zelda, but I think that could work in a different game where if, like, your your character dies, an enemy comes by, loots your body, and then if you want that stuff back, you got... Actually, there was a game called Sultan Sanctuary that did something like that where you would, uh... Actually, I no, take it back. It, it did the thing of you died. Your souls are there, but an enemy picked up your souls and is just stronger. Not. I died. I got all your gear. Can you beat your own gear? Like, you know, Adam. You know, Adam. That actually,
2: sounds pretty. That sounds like an interesting twist on the Dark Souls thing.
1: I I'm going to stick with my Dark Souls Zelda thing and say that's what I what I've done. My terrible creation, yeah. I'm, Adam. I'm there
2: on that. So, so
1: Adam,
0: your terrible creation is what like leaving items and you have to go back and get them. No, 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 no. It's, it's
1: basically just um, Zelda, but with the death run mechanic, where you are brought back,
0: but your previous self is still lying around. Well, then, I guess I will uh, since I will use the example I, I just kind of cooked up uh, for Dark Souls or, like, any of those Souls games things, where you have this super intricate build that you have put together, and it looks great. It's working fantastic. If you die in the in the lore of dark Souls your body does respawn at a bo- at a bonfire but how long that takes is questionable so what if all your gear was left behind and like that random ghoul could go pick up your super dragon tooth and now it's just wailing you for it, with it
1: I like that system I but like what
2: it. classic game do we you gonna be using for that
1: Dark Souls is classic enough Dark Souls is like 10 years old 15. oh that's goodness. right.
0: That's pretty old. I was like, that was the one limiting thing on this, uh, on this quest, on the design club thing of like, if it has to be classic, then I don't know. But like, if it's any game, that would be a really neat uh, to me. That'd be a pretty neat twist for a Dark Souls or a Souls Adam, game. Of, like,
1: I, I legitimately yeah, think yeah. it's a great twist. I want it. I want to say go with that. I, I think it's I'm gonna really go with that I then. All I right. would say one caveat: if it's a Dark Souls S game, I would say if your body is dead, allow it to be looted by other players as well who are invading your game. Oh my boy. Uh, I feel Wait, like,
2: oh, but now, here's here's something there are I will say: items and weapons in that game. Like, what happens if someone steals your unique shit? Then you're really, really, really sad. That's oh that's
0: my. what I say. So I don't know how. Like, I was actually just thinking that, like, if you die and lose your gear, and, and like an enemy comes by and pilfers it, and then you have to fight that enemy to get like that's using your gear to get it back. I could see you running into the problem of like. I just lost a unique boss weapon to this random dude. Well, it's like... So I feel like you'd have to have some restrictions or some way of getting things back. Like, maybe there was a mechanic of like, okay, so you died, the guy got your dragon tooth uh, weapon, killed you, and then... Well, hold on, let me take that back.
1: I, th- I, I wonder think if with all be- of these, there are definitely limitations and definitely things that would have to be tweaked. But the general idea is really appealing to me. I think it's... I think it's cool. I would actually really like to see it in, like, a sequel to Dark Souls yeah. if they ever make I, another one. I, not
0: to toot my own horn, but I agree. That actually would be really neat. I just wonder how they would handle, like, you know, whether you could, like, maybe maybe the weapon stay persistent until you kill that enemy, or you could, like, find some way of buying back your enemy of, like, oh, this is the memory of your weapon, and you can get it back. Just pay me, like, 80 billion souls.
2: Mm. You dig? Oh. Interesting. I can see
0: that. Maybe okay, so
2: enemies pick up the ghost version of your equipment.
0: Ooh. That could be kind of cool, yeah.
2: Cuz that way you can keep the regular version, so that way you never you never end up losing equipment, but you're basically making the enemies stronger every time you die.
0: Oh,
1: oh I yeah. really like that. I really like that. The only yeah, problem is either... that if you die too much, then you basically overpower all the enemies and can't progress through the game because well, you've uh, mixed yeah. and messed up too much.
0: Demon Souls did do that. Really? What? So in Demon Souls Every time you die in human form in a world, so you go into mm-hmm. a world and you can either be regular or human or mm-hmm. spirit form or human form. If you die in a world as a spirit, nothing happens because there's this mechanic called world tendency. So dying there, nothing happens. If you keep dying in a world too much as a human, your world tendency goes, uh, gets blacker and blacker until it's per, uh, like, I think it's like pure black world tendency. When that happens, the enemies have way more health, they hit harder, and special invaders show up into your world. Jesus. Oh. So, I guess Steven Souls does already have this kind of thing of, like, let's just make every, like, enemy stronger. That's why I thought, like, the whole, like, your body is left behind, and they just pick up your gear, and you have to fight them for okay, your well, gear to get back.
2: Okay, so, so the ghost, okay, so, here, here it is. The ghost version, there's only one copy of as well. It's just every time you die, the person who kills you gets that copy. And the person, mm-hmm. like, the other thing that had it before loses it. Okay. Oh, I was thinking, like, fuck it. This entire
0: castle, everybody has ghost versions until you kill them.
2: Oh, boy. Wow, you
0: really fucked up and, it, like, geared the hell out of this zone. Well, <laughs> well
1: damn. Okay, so we've got, we've got the Endless Mario Brothers. Um, <laughs> death, death waits for no Zelda. And... Uh, grim, dark dark souls i don't know what to call yours but again i like it yours is yours is the mechanically super cool idea so grave robbing out. dark souls <laughs> grave, grave, rob- ro- grave robbers <laughs> grave robbers rampage i don't know um, all right um i think that does it for our design club uh we have talked about death for a good long while uh does anyone have any toasts or pour outs before we go to our lesson of
0: the day i had a good pour out at the beginning of this episode and i can't remember
2: it so i'm gonna i'm gonna pour one out for pokemon interpol
0: Mm. oh that's what it was i was gonna pour one out for sir tenenbaum who was who was just like the furtive pygmy (laughs) so easily forgotten
1: pouring one out for tenenbaum
0: (laughs) uh i did have one shout out that I, i wanted to give out there is a uh there's an article i found it was it was a it's a games journalism article um that, that does talk pretty specifically about a lot of the topics we covered today about dying in games. Let me see if I can mm. remember the name of it. It's called You Are Dead, Continue, Conflicts and Compliments in Game Rules and Fiction. And it's about uh, how video games use death. Uh, it, I'm pretty sure we read this in college at least once.
1: I will oh. link it in the description, and our
0: listeners can have a good, classy read. But yeah, I, I kind of remember this, it's like... Wait a minute, didn't we read this? But yeah, uh, oh, and uh, shout out to Fanime. That was cool, good stuff. Pour one out for the Guilty Gear cabinet in the back that broke halfway through the convention.
1: Uh pour oh. out, pour out, pour out.
0: Yeah. Drew, how about
1: out. you? Uh, I don't know, Zach, do you want to give a toast to Ben and Lizzie and their beautiful union?
2: Yeah, sounds like a good toast. Toast to Ben and Lizzie. Toast, toast to Ben and
0: Lizzie. Here, here. Yay. And to send Ben and Lizzie off onto their grand journey together. We have a lesson of the day. Zach, yeah. hit us with a lesson of the day.
2: Well, hey there, everybody. It's time now for the lesson of the day. Today's lesson is, when your Velcro doesn't stick anymore, well, now it's time to put it through the wash. And that's the lesson of the day. Thanks, everybody.
1: What a what a great lesson.
2: Does that actually work? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, but not really.
0: I was about to I... say, damn, I just learned something with this podcast. Holy fuck. <laughs>
2: I, I have put something Velcro through the wash before. It basically doesn't work.
0: Uh, well, listener, <laughs> don't listen to him. This is this is foolproof. That lesson of the day was completely 100 good to go.
2: Yeah, that. So, so just saying, lesson of the days aren't always good advice. <laughs> uh. Shh,
0: they're always great advice. Ben and Lizzie, that lesson of the day was for you. Ever an issue? Put the Velcro through the wash. <laughs>
1: Alright, thank you so much listeners for listening to us Um, If you have any questions, comments, concerns cool fan art or something of that nature, send it to teamnitwick at gmail.com That's teamnitwick at gmail.com This week's music is by the lovely pro leader as it tends to be Uh, go Go check him out on the band camp If you are interested, our next episode is all about fire levels, so be ready for that next week I'm already warming
0: up for these fire related things. Ooh, oh, if you man. Want
1: more puns. Alright, we gotta get out of here. Let's leave. Yeah, we gotta go.
0: We gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.